Hello and welcome to another episode of Last Chat with Shell Griggs. I'm your host, Shell, and we have a crazy story tonight. Um, this is where I'm when I'm recording it, so it's super spooky. It adds to the ambience, but it, it's for right now because of life getting so crazy. It's one of the quiet times in my house. Um, so I have to record when it's quiet, but this is the story of Oba Chandler and I'm going to get into it because there are so many different, um, buildups to how he became the man he was. Um, and of course the topic is true crime, but I heard about this story on a podcast that I was listening to with my sister called true crime all the time. It's become one of our our minor obsessions and it's really good um if you have not checked it out i would definitely recommend trying or checking out that podcast because they do a lot of research a lot of research goes into this podcast it is not just random you know armchair sleuths they are armchair sleuths um they have a passion the two men that run the podcast, uh, Mike and Gibby. They're both Mike, but we tell them apart by their names and nicknames, Mike and Gibby. And they really put a lot of research into their podcast, um, a lot like what I do. Um, But they just give you details like you didn't know you needed. And I first heard about this um, story while listening to their podcast. I'd never heard of this man. Um, so without any other ado or hangups, this is the story of Oba Chandler. He was born in October 11th, on October 11th, 1946. Um, to two parents, um, he's actually a junior. Um, so he was the fourth of five children born to Oba Chandler Sr. and Margaret Johnson, and he was raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, So, most of his days before his father committed suicide are not documented. Like, I could not find anything about him as a child, but the story just takes a weird turn. Um, in his teens, in his after his father committed suicide, actually the day his father committed suicide, there he tried to. There's a story they tell that he tried to jump into um, the casket with his father, which is a little weird because it's like, um, you know, that's something you'd expect from a child probably his age it's it's very um the way children grieve um is very very interesting um and as he should I mean losing your father we my father recently passed and it losing a father is just an unnatural thing but it's just it starts off this tale that um, just kind of quickly turns into something that seems predictable. Um, and even though you don't expect 
that a person will become a killer. Um, that kind of is is a villain or origin story. I mean, it's just like his father tragically takes his life and then he tries to jump into the casket. And then from then on, it's just like most of his life reads like, you know, a Law & Order episode. He's in and out of trouble. Um, and he just has this life that is, you know, a life of crime. Uh, from then on, he just kind of becomes an delinquent. He starts stealing cars. He tries... Um, He, he tries to uh, scam people, which he starts this, uh, this little pattern. And according to Wikipedia, um, he goes on a binge as a, a teenager and he's arrested about 20 times as a juvenile. And I wonder why he was allowed to continue to do these things and why is it that the justice system for little white boys and black boys are different because you know you read about stories where you know a child is going to juvenile and if they're most more than likely a child of color a person of color is not going to be given that many chances that many slaps on the wrist to keep committing felonies and crimes but this you hear you have Oba Chandler and he's allowed to do these things um over and over and over again and so it just continues to escalate because there's no real um rehabilitation in any of this um, and so he just starts this life of scamming and kidnapping and um, just robbery. It just totally escalates. Um, and then there's the weird stuff. Like he gets caught pleasuring himself to a woman while looking through a woman's window. So he's not, not only is he a criminal, but he's just not a very good one. Like a life of crime did not suit him at all and um he's he gets caught in most of this stuff um with the armed robbery and it just uh it gets weird in in one of his crimes um a scene that he does is armed robbery and in this armed robbery he makes the woman uh, stripped to her underwear and ties her up with, um, ties her up and rubs the barrel of his revolver across her stomach. I have to mention this because it's pretty sick. Um, because you, you did that when you could have just took their stuff, you know, it's just, it's sick. It's, it's not, um, it's not right. And I think I remember some reading somewhere that he actually found, you know, sexual pleasure um, in in seeing women tied up, which is crazy to me because it's like, what the heck, man? What are you going through? Why are you tying women up? Like, anyways, so 
this is all going down in Florida where he's just escalating to a point of killing it's it's building up to something and no matter what like at the end of the day you know it's gonna get progressively worse so on May 26 um he so Oba Chandler not a bad guy he just turns out to be this person that you know you would expect to do something I mean he's getting to a point where he's making women strip during his, he made a woman strip during his robbery attempt and it all comes to a head um, on May 26th of 1989 when a woman named Joan aka Joe and her daughters uh, were were going on a vacation. Uh, they were going to Disney, um, and they had never taken a vacation. So, imagine this being your first vacation. And you run into a serial killer, like, or a killer, and that's not good. Like this man is pleasure killing. So, they take their first vacation and. They think they're totally safe and they get lost. Um, And so when they get lost, they are, um, they encounter Oba Chandler. And that's where things go bad for this family. So May 26th of 1989, they left their home. Joan and her girls, Michelle and Christy, um, left their home in Wilshire, Oklahoma, or I'm sorry, Ohio, for a vacation. Um, so what the police believe is that on June 1st, um, they got lost on their return home from Orlando to Wilshire. Um, and they decided to take an extra vacation day in Tampa. Okay. Not not what's expected, but hey, let live a little, right? So while looking for their hotel, they encountered Chandler, who gave them directions and offered to meet them again later to take them on a sunset cruise of the Tampa Bay. So they left Orlando around 9 a.m. and checked into the Days Inn on Route 60 at 12.30 p.m., so noon. Now, they they were able to recover photographs, and I'm getting this information from Wikipedia because this gives a very concise timeline of what happened with them. So they retrieved photographs from a roll of film and their cameras, um, and they showed Michelle sitting on the floor. Um, the last photograph was taken from the hotel balcony and showed the sun beginning to set over the Tampa Bay, confirming that all three family members were alive and that they hadn't left the hotel room as sunset began. They were last seen at the hotel's restaurant around 7.30 p.m. It is believed they boarded his boat by the dock uh, between 8.30 and 9 o'clock. 
they were dead by 3 a.m. the next day. So that gives a small window because if they boarded the boat at 8.30 to 9, that would have been about 6, 6 to 7 hours um, that, that he had to kill them. And that's probably him working, most of that time was probably him working up the nerve to do it. Um, so, uh, he knew, according to Wikipedia, they say he knew that they were from out of town because of their out of town license plate. Now, what I, what I have come to understand is when I'm not, when I'm taking a road trip, I do not engage with the locals. And what I mean by that is if I'm somewhere unfamiliar and my GPS is not picking it up and there has been times on my drives back and forth um, that I have been in a place where I have poor cell service and I had to stop either for the restroom or food or for gas. I do not engage with people and they can be just as friendly as they want to be. They can be so well-meaning, seemingly well-meaning. But I do not engage with them because I know that license plate. I'm aware that that's an out-of-town license plate and nothing's ever happened to me. It's just like, to me, it seems like it, it is a traveler thing where you don't, you know that people know that you're not from there. And so it causes you to act in a way that's like standoffish. And I understand that this was this, these ladies' first time on vacation and then it was also the 80s which is different because in 2013 2014 even 2020 it is a different time than when they were on their vacation um, and then when you're on vacation you tend to let down your inhibitions a little more but Going with a man on his boat does not seem like something that, you know, it would happen or make any sense in today's times. I think it was more like, oh, you know, let's live a little. You know, I can't imagine this decision being anything that was made in sound, you know, in a sound or, I don't know, uh decisive manner um but in at any rate the victim's bodies were found floating in the tampa bay on june 4th so to put this in perspective this happened around the first of june and their bodies were not found into until floating until june 4th of 1989 they, the first body was found when several people on the board of a sailboat were crossing under the sunshine, sunshine Skyway and saw an object in the water. Now imagine you're on the Sunshine Skyway and you see an object in the water and it turns out to be a few dead bodies like... The second body was seen floating in the pier 
two miles north of the first. So I don't know if he just like deposited, you know, the apart thinking no one would make the connection. Uh, but they did. <laughs> While so the two the second body was found two miles north of the first. And while the Coast Guard was recovering the second body, they received a call about the third body, which was seen floating 200 yards to the east. All three female bodies were found floating face down, bound with rope around the neck and naked below the waist. Um, So the autopsy showed that all three had water in their lungs, Proven that they, proving that they had been thrown into the water while still alive. Michelle, who was found second, and that was their daughter. I think that was their oldest daughter, who at the time was 17. Um, the time that her body was found. Yes, so Michelle is their oldest daughter, and she was 17, and her sister Christy was 14, I believe. 14. So Christy was 14, Michelle was 17 at the time that their their bodies were were in the found. At the time that he killed them, Uh, Michelle, who was identified as the second body, had freed one of her hands from the bonds before she drowned. Um, the partially dressed state of all three bodies indicating that uh, indicates sexual assault. That's what they thought that the motive was. Um, and then ropes with the concrete block at the other end was tied around to ensure that they died from either suffocation or drowning and that their bodies would never be found. <laughs> So he was, like I said earlier in this podcast, he was awful at committing crimes because he found the body. So he meant for them never to be found and they were easily found three days later. Um, so the decomp happened fast because it was, because it was hot, um, but they were not positively identified until a week after their bodies were found which by that time Al Rogers had reported reported um, the girls and his wife missing. So on June 8th, a housekeeper at the day's end said their room had not been disturbed and their beds had not been slept in. The hotel manager contacted the police. Fingerprints found in the room matched the bodies and their final confirmation came from their dental records, which is terrible because they were not recognizable due to decomposition. Now, what I find is interesting about this whole case is that in the other crimes, besides the one where the wife was found in you know, he took the barrel of the gun and he rubbed it across her belly. There were no sexual um, implications to his crimes. And with her, I feel like he was escalating and trying out new things. 
Um, and then when he found these late, this lady and her daughters, he was just like, okay, I'm going to go for it. So not only do we discover Opa Chandler as a murderer and a, a weirdo, but also add rape and pedophilia to the list. It's just crazy. It's crazy because, you know, from the accounts that they give of this man... He never should have been on the streets, but any and anywho, um, they found the police researchers found that they were thrown from the boat and not from the bridge or on dry land. Um, and their car was found at the dock. So they knew he, they researchers basically knew that he hadn't thrown them from you know the bridge so also they found his handwritten instructions uh, and that's ultimately what they used to get him for the crime because uh, they did handwriting anal- analysis. Um, so they believe there was a theory that there was a second suspect and it was dismissed when he was arrested. No evidence, there was no evidence found of the second suspect. no real evidence behind this. This was just a theory. So ultimately he was caught. Oba Chandler was caught and arrested. Um, And the crazy part about all of this stuff is that this was the 80s, man. People really, you know, were trusting for still coming out of that 70s era where, you know, people left their doors open and, you know, just this very Brady Bunch type of feel to most of the neighborhoods and things like that. And you have this just, like, crazy person who should have never been on the streets. Um, But it was a couple years before they found him and ultimately convicted him of the crime and he was so he murdered them um, in June of 1989 he wasn't found guilty and sentenced to death until November 4th of 1994 he maintained his innocence And he continued to pursue legal appeals while on Florida's death row. What I think is interesting about this is that he tries to maintain some level of um, innocence here. Now, mind you, he he committed this murder in 1989. Um... And he was not arrested until 1992. Also, a former employer 
of Chandler's testified that he bragged about dating three women on the bay on the night of the murders, and the next morning he arrived by boat and delivered materials for a job and immediately set out again. So, it's just to say, it goes to him lying and kind of bragging on himself. You're not dating a 14-year-old child, sir, or a 17-year-old, or even this married woman. You're just a sicko and a fraud. So eventually he was found guilty in 1994. This He wasn't arrested until 92. So there were three years that went by and there was nothing and he got arrested in 1992. Um, so after his conviction, he was named as Florida's one, one of Florida's most notorious criminals. He said his last words before his ex- execution would be, kiss my rosy red, A, S, S, you know the word. Um, no, ne- not necessary for me to say it. Um, so, ultimately, he was sentenced to death. Um, and on October... 10th of 2011 his death warrant was signed and his execution was scheduled for November 15th um ultimately he kept on he said that he he said that he was innocent up until the end um but all of his appeals were denied so he was executed at 408 p.m. on November 15th of 2011 and I know it's inappropriate but I keep on thinking like at least they got him because there are so many cases where it goes unsolved and because of the actions of the victims and not to say that they're they're to blame for the crimes that were um, committed against them but it is also like their own actions could lead to their disappearance because they're, you know, trusting a stranger. A lot of times they do not recover the bodies. And that's what he meant. If he had been a better criminal, he would have been able to get away with it. But it's just crazy. And actually, after his murder on February 25th of 2014... Evidence revealed that Chandler was a murderer of another woman, Ivalice Barrios Burgeries, who was raped and strangled in 1990. So even if he had been arrested right after, he probably would not have been able to rape and strangle that woman. And at the time, she was a 20-year-old newlywed. Um, And he's last seen at Sawgrass Mills Mall where she worked at a sporting goods shop. And she, she, when she didn't return home, her husband went to the mall and found her car um, with her tire slash. And um, it is believed that he watched the victim for a couple days and slashed her tires. Um, And then tried to help her 
like of making himself appear to be a helpful stranger um (laughs) three hours after she was reported missing her body was found under a residential mailbox in a local neighborhood by two men coming back from a fishing trip so he was he was just he had escalated to murder and he did it again and then they found him thank god um but he had her body was naked and had ligature marks on both wrists and brown tape stuck to her hair um so He was not who he said he was. Even in death, he act, or even after his arrest in 2014, when they finally had the DNA evidence to check, he was linked to her murder. And I think he would have kept murdering if he had not been caught for the murders of Joan and her daughters, Michelle and Christy. And I think that's sick. That's really sick. But at the end of the day, guys be wise i know summer is coming up and the weather is gonna make you feel fancy free but just use common sense because there are people out there like ova chandler who exist who are unfortunately have slipped through the fingers of the justice system because it is designed to target certain people and other people get a slap on the wrist so this case probably would not even existed if had in his childhood he been arrested and just detained for his crimes especially kidnapping i feel like that was the one that should have put him away and even the other arrest where he rubbed the gun barrel against the the female victim these are all things that he should have been arrested and put away for a long time but he was not and ultimately was able to kill other people including the tragic death of Joan and her daughters Michelle and Christy rest in peace to them and the lady Ivy um, who was also a newlywed God rest her soul as well Um, but yeah, this is the case of Over Chandler, and I hope you guys liked it. Um, but until next time, let's chat.